Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits on a three-hole He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is going to be a lot of fun. The New York Mets are one of the best teams in all of baseball this year, and who better to talk about them than Keith Hernandez? He's currently in the booth for them, but he's also had a Hall of Fame baseball career, five All-Star games, two World Series, an MVP award. So I'm really excited to bring him in on and, and talk a little bit about his career, talk a little bit about this Mets team, and of course, Seinfeld, because of course I have to ask about Seinfeld. So let's get to it now. I hope you all enjoy it. Here he is, Keith Hernandez. All right, and I am so excited to be joined now by five-time All-Star, World Series champion, and an MVP, Keith Hernandez. Keith, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, my friend. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So with the, I, I want to start with something that happened just a couple of weeks ago. You were inducted and into the Mets. You will forever be immortalized in Mets history. Nobody will ever wear number 17 again. How cool was that day for you? And it happened just a few weeks ago. Um, it was a day I will never forget, obviously. Uh, I had my whole entire family there, my brother, uh, my nephew, niece, and my kids, my three daughters all the people that were very important to me and uh, to share with me that great honor. Um, you know, there's only six people up there. They call it the rafters on the upper deck. Um, uh, you know, Casey Stingle, Gil Hodges, two managers and four players. I'm the fourth player. So it's, you know, Seaver, Kuzman, Piazza, now me. And it's 60 years of Met history. And that's a long time. So to only have six people's number retired to be part of that is just an enormous honor. That's remarkable. Six people, only four players, and you are now one of them. You mentioned your brother who was on hand, Gary. And I've, I've heard stories. And how much did your brother mean to you and your career? Well, we were a very tight family growing up, very solid family. And with a lot of it has to do with the how our, our mom and dad raised Gary and I, and my dad instilled in us that we were, you know, blood's thicker than water and only the two of you at one point in life. And now it's just the two of us, you know, my mom and dad have been dead for quite some time. And um, uh, we have maintained a friendship, a very special bond uh, since I can remember. Um, he was always very protective of me and um, always my best fan. That's really cool. Um, so with you and your career, Keith, you were drafted in the 42nd round and mm -hmm. you end up going on to have an unbelievable career. I'm hopeful a, a Hall of Fame career, I would hope. I hope at least. Um, how 
how did you get there? Did you expect as a 42nd rounder to be a Major League Baseball player, much less one of the greatest of all time like you became? Well, we never expect to be, uh, you know, we all have dreams uh, to want to be the best that we can be. Uh, I uh, I wanted to be uh, in the Major League player when I was a young kid, when I was six, seven years old. And I wanted to be a star, not just a, an average player. And that's what I strove to be. Um, I was drafted late like that. That was the last round, actually. And um, I just, my uh, senior year, I came out late from basketball. And I hadn't, I played all three sports. So I hadn't thrown a baseball in almost a year. And uh, I pitched as well as uh, played first base for my high school team. And my arm wasn't ready, and um, I had a coach that uh, I mean, every scout in the stand in the in every, every team was at uh, the first game when I came off of basketball uh, to watch. I was going to be a number one draft pick, but my coach evidently felt very uncomfortable with that, and probably shouldn't have been handling young kids. I graduated when I was seventeen, wow. so uh, I basically quit my senior year. I went and played semi pro ball on weekends across the bay in san francisco so uh that's why i was uh, not drafted i would have been a number one pick and then wow. it turned out for the better because as stressful as that was uh, i got drafted by my favorite team the cardinals that's so cool so as a high schooler you're pitching and hitting was there any chance that we could have seen keith hernandez like shohei otani or was there no chance of keith hernandez the two-way player um, every time I pitched and I was, you know, I threw had a great arm, you know, I was very unpolished. I was a high school kid, just threw fastballs and a big, big old roundhouse curveball occasionally. Uh, my elbow always killed me. After oh, I started. No. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure your dad can appreciate that. Uh, my elbow, I couldn't throw the ball 20 feet after day after I pitched and that was just seven innings. And uh, it gradually, you know, you pitch once a week. So uh, the second day I could throw 30 and the third day I can throw 40. And then by the time it was my start again, my arm was okay. I was ready to pitch and it was all the same process all over again. It was all on that elbow right under here. I'm sure you're aware of what I have no idea. I was probably straining it over throwing who knows, but um I don't think you would have seen me as a pitcher, no. <laughs> and it's probably just because your arm would have fallen off with a certain with a pitch that you threw. But you did end up playing first base at an elite level. Keith, you won 11 Gold Glove Awards, which is remarkable. But did defense always come naturally to you, or was that something you really had to work at to become as good as you did at first base? Uh, even if it comes naturally, you still have to work very hard at it uh, to be at, at, a, at a certain level. Uh, my father was a minor league player in the Cardinal chain. He actually was originally originally drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers before the World War II. And the World War II came and he, he served five years in the Navy uh, at Pearl Harbor. The whole entire war lost five years and didn't make it. But he was a real fine defensive first baseman. And a really good hitter. So we had instruction, my brother and I, from uh, my father, who I have to give lots of credit to. And he taught us how to play first base. My brother was a first baseman as well. And uh, 
we were both left-handed, so our positions are limited. And um, Dad taught us the fundamentals. I was way ahead of everybody uh, on up and through uh, my minor league career, uh, up to my major league career. Uh, I just had, was so advanced and knew how to play the position. Mm -hmm. That's that's awesome. So when I, you know, I mentioned it off the top. You five-time All Star, two-time World Series champion. You won an MVP award. If I were to say to you, Keith, looking back on your incredible career, what is one memory? that comes to mind? What's a memory that sticks out from your career? Well, gosh, it's tough. The ultimate is the World Series championship, and that's a team effort. Uh, it's not an individual effort. You know, I won a batting title. I won a most valuable player. I won all the gold gloves and the silver bats. Um, but those are personal things. But really, when the season begins in spring training, uh, the one goal is to go to the World Series, and I was fortunate enough to get to two. Uh, so I have uh, the, uh, Game 7 in both uh, World Series, 82, with the Cardinals when we beat Milwaukee, and 86 uh, when we beat Reds, the Red Sox. I got two key hits late in the game uh, to bring us back. We were uh, One tied the game, the other one uh, uh uh, I think put us ahead. I'm not sure. Wow. I, I forget. But there were two key hits in the seventh inning late in the game. So those are things I remember. They weren't fun at bats because one was against Bruce Hurst, a real tough left-hander. And the other one was against Bob McClure. When it was with Milwaukee, my first World Series. And I grew up with Bob. Oh, and we played no. a little league against each no other. No way. And we we were we were friends. And it's my first World Series, and here I am. I got to face him with the game on the basically on the line, and he was a tough left-hander, and uh, I got the base hit. So that was uh, almost that was surreal that that happened. Wow. So you mentioned the ninety the '86 team, World Series champ with the Mets, and that team, that Mets team in '86 was unbelievable. When you look back at that '86 season. Talk a little bit about that team, just how good you were. If you knew throughout that season that you guys were as good as you ultimately ended up being the best team in baseball. But that year, how awesome was that team? Well, when you win 108 games, it's fun coming to the That's ballpark. So many games. And, um, you know, we won two-thirds of our games, I believe. And, um, you know, we uh, won 98 games the year before and uh, went home in 85. The Cardinals won 102. We lost uh, by four games and went down to the last week of the season. And we got to as, as close as one game with uh, four to play. And um, it just didn't happen. It was very disappointing. So we were very much on point as far as the next season, 86, when it came around in spring training. Uh, to win 108 games, there's only in the history of Major League Baseball, there are only 12 teams that have won 108 games or more. And that's something I'm very proud of. And our teammates, my teammates are very proud of. It's a very extraordinary year that we had. And we had a real tough time in the playoffs. We had to go up against Houston. And we knew that was going to be very difficult with Nolan Ryan and Mike Scott with Cy Young and uh, Bob Nepper, tough left-hander. And then we got past them. Uh, and we knew Boston with Clemens was the Cy Young that year and Bruce Hurst. They just didn't have the pitching depth to stay with us, but uh, 
We all know about uh, Game Six, the most incredible comeback probably in World Series history with the World Series on the line, you know, two outs, nobody on, down uh, three runs and come back and uh, uh, made down, I think it was two or three runs. Yes. And when we, anyway, we won the game. Everybody knows about that. But uh, an incredible comeback. Um, so to me, the answer to your question is uh, the two World Series stick out in my mind. Uh, they were just such great accomplishments from a team standpoint and you got you got the world series ring the and all that and it's everything you dream of when you're a kid in little league you want to get in the world series you just mentioned in, in that playoff run in 86 you had to face the astros who had nolan ryan now i don't know if you've seen it but i just finished watching a documentary that came out called facing nolan and it talks all about him and his career and obviously we know how good he is but you got to face him if you could explain to me what it's like standing in the box facing nolan ryan how would you explain it well you the better question asked of a right-hand hitter because his fastball ran away from me and into a right-hander so it was much more precarious for a right-hander Nolan didn't like to throw inside to lefties, not at least not to me, and I'm sure, because his ball tended to run out over the. It, it ran out. If he if he wanted to throw an inside strike, he had to throw it around nine inches to a foot inside, and then it would it would uh, fade out over the inside corner. If he made a mistake, he'd get it over the middle. So he just ran that fastball away from me. I had I didn't have any fear, but if he had a great curveball, which he did. And it was a particular game where he had his, he always had his fastball. I mean, he always, I mean, if he was on the gun today, uh, he would be 106, 107 miles an hour. He just, he was just uh, a freight train and he always brought his fastball. Uh, but when to get particular games, when he had his curveball, then he was pretty much, uh, you were in, uh, you were in trouble. You had your work cut out for, for you. Unbelievable. 106 or 107. Keith, I don't care who you are. This is a credit to how good you are in your career. You say, eh, you know, leak back out over the plate and you could get a hit. It's still over 100 miles an hour and it's not easy to hit 100, even if it is right down the middle. So pretty impressive there. But so, like I said, you ended up winning, winning that World Series in 86. We all know you had the incredible career you did. Your numbers retired forever in Mets history. But after your long career, Years later, in 99, you joined the broadcast team with the Mets. What made you want to get back into the game and to get into the broadcasting world? Well, I didn't really. Uh, I um... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I, I got hurt my last year. My last two years, I broke my kneecap in 89 in a collision on a double play. And uh, that was pretty much the end of me. I played my first 13 years, never on the disabled list. I was very lucky. I was able to play 100, over 150 plus games for the first 13 years of my career. And uh, when I broke my kneecap, um, uh, that was kind of the end of it for me. And I went to Cleveland, the Mets didn't resign me. And I was 36 going on 37. 
And I went to spring training with Cleveland and I knew I was done. And um, it was, uh, the, my days were over. And um, so when my career ended, I had a I had an injury filled year in Cleveland, only had a hundred at bats, 110 at bats. And uh, it was time for me to quit. And, but, but didn't have that, you know, that, that ending that you want mm-hmm. uh, on top. Uh, so I was kind of, I, I didn't watch baseball for around, five years after I retired and I just divorced myself from it. And what got me back watching baseball, ironically, was the uh, McGuire Sosa home run chase. And how can you not watch that? Even though it was, it wound up being tainted, but nonetheless, it was still very exciting. And that got me back interested in baseball. Then I was one night I was at Elaine's, a restaurant in New York. And a young agent came up to me and, and said, uh, we happen to be a Met fan. And he said, uh, you should be in the broadcast booth with the Mets. And I said, I'm not interested. And he, and he tried to convince me. And then he said, well, okay, uh, here's, can I get your number? And I can I call you occasionally to see if you change your mind? Well, he called me, kept calling me around every three months. And finally, a year later, I said, okay, go ahead and, and pitch me. And that's how it started. I started out doing just 20 games and I never dreamed it would come to this now where I'm doing, you know, I'm part of the, this is our 17th year in the booth together with SNY, which ties the longest of uh, uh, broadcast team in Met history. The, the original Met team was Ralph Kiner, Lindsey wow. Nelson and Bob Murphy. And they started in the original Mets in 62 and they were 17 years together and now Gary uh, and myself and Ron are. This is our seventeenth year. We tie them, and then next year we will uh, be the all-time uh, longest Met broadcast team. So it's interesting that it came. To, I never dreamed that it would would come to this, and um, I've enjoyed it. You know, the game has changed a lot. It's fun to see the players come up. I really enjoy watching the young players come up and go through their trials and tribulations and their anxiety and watch them improve in front of your very eyes year in, year out. You know, I've been in the booth over 20 years. So uh, the Brandon Nimmo's, the Jeff McNeil's, I've got to watch them, uh, Jose Reyes's, uh, watch them as young players and then develop into stars. It's fun. Is this current Mets team that you're broadcasting for right now, is this the best Mets team you've seen since the 2015 team when they went to the World Series? Oh, I think they're better than the 2015 team. Uh, they This is a solid team. The, the best Mets team since uh, 86 was that um, team that didn't go. It was the, with Delgado. It was it 2006 when they blew the lead? Or when the Cardinals beat them, I believe, yep. in the playoffs. When Molina hit the home run. Uh, that was a very, very good uh, a Met team. So to me, I mean, I didn't, I, I saw the 69. So I got to believe the 69 Mets, the 86 Mets, that 06, I believe it was that year. I could be wrong. And most of the Cardinals and this team, I think, are the, uh, are the four best Mets teams in the 60 years. Uh, we'll see how they go here. They're, they're a different team. They don't have power. I have they have Pete who uh, Alonzo who is their only real power hitter, but he's just a phenomenal. He's not just a power hitter. They got great defense. They make contact. They have good team speed. They have great defense. The pitching with Degrom and Scherzer, and everybody overlooks Bassett and Carrasco. 
and Walker. Uh, so it's a solid rotation. It's a fun team to watch. They hustle and um, they just, uh, I, I just, this is a, one of my favorite Met teams in the 17, 20 years I've been broadcasting. They're, they're so good and nobody wants to run into DeGrom and Scherzer when it comes to a playoff series. That's for sure. You mentioned yeah, Pete Alonso. Like, Go ahead. No, it's like Mike Scott and Nolan Ryan. I mean, it's just like one of those uh, kind of rotations of where you have a, a one-two punch like that. It's it's very formidable. You, you mentioned Pete Alonzo, and he's really the only, you know, other guys have popped, but Pete's the, the power hitter of the lineup. How cool was it to see Pete Alonzo on Keith Hernandez Day, the day your numbers retired? How cool was it to see him honor you the way he did? Did you give him some crap for his mustache not being near as nice as yours was? You know, I didn't even, it was, it was kind of, I hardly knew he had one it kind of blended. It blended in. It wasn't a real powerful mustache. And I wasn't, I, at first I didn't recognize it, but um, uh, it was, you know, Pete and I get along great. He's a real good kid and a uh, young man, I should say. And he works hard at what he does. And boy, oh boy, he is just a really, really, uh, I think probably the most dangerous hitter uh, along with judge in major league baseball today. You might not have been able to see it, nor could anybody else, but maybe that mustache is what brought him that home run for you on, on Keith Hernandez. I, right, he did hit the home run that day, too. And <laughs> it, it was a remarkable because the, the Mets, they won on, I mean, they I think we were playing Miami, and Miami displayed horrible defense in the ninth inning, gave the game away, made two errors, and it was a error, throwing error by the pitcher that the was a walk-off throwing error. Mm -hmm. So the last time the Mets had won, a game with a walk-off air was game six in the 1986 no. World Series, wow. the Buckner game. So there has to be a God up there that just, you know, on my day, they win like we won in game six. It was just incredible. That is remarkable. I had no idea. That's a fun fact right there. Um, so this team, I can't talk enough about this team. I've been talking about them all year long because it, it's just a really good baseball team. And now DeGrom is back. And DeGrom, when healthy, is, in my opinion, the best pitcher on planet Earth. And that's that's pretty high praise. But I want to hear from, from your perspective. When Jacob DeGrom is healthy, how does he rank amongst the best of all time? Well, he would be in any generation. He would be the Dizzy Dean. He would be the Sandy Koufax. He would be the Tom Seaver, the Walter Perry Johnson, uh, Bob Feller. That's what he would be. Uh, he has extraordinary uh, command of his slider. He's got a great slider, great tight slider. I can tell from the center field camera if someone's got extraordinary stuff or if someone is throwing really hard. And uh, DeGrom has a great fastball has the great uh, slider, very tight and late breaking, good velocity. And he has a, he has a, a really good change up too with sinks. And so he's got three quality pitches and uh, he can throw any time in the count, uh, any situation. And that's what it takes to be a great pitcher. Tom Seaver was that way, that kind of command with power stuff. He's a power pitcher with command. He knows what he's doing. He's, very intelligent so and the scherzer is the same way and uh but you know they're both uh scherzer's going to the hall of fame for sure and you know what if Degrom can pitch five more years stay healthy 
um, the pitch the way he's pitching, he's going in the Hall of Fame. Is it a coincidence that when Jacob deGrom came back, the rest of the rotation has completely elevated their game as well? I would have to agree. I think it was a shot in the arm, not only for the pitching staff and the rotation, but also for the offense. Uh, when you, It's a shot in the arm to get a guy like that. I played in those 80s teams when we had great starting rotation. We knew that when, when Dwight Gooden was out on the mound, we didn't have to We score two runs. We're going to win three runs for sure. It's nice to have that feeling from an offensive standpoint when you go out there and you feel like we're going to win today. And it takes a very special pitcher uh, when you play behind that pitcher. It takes it takes a, it takes a very special pitcher to make the the offense uh, feel that way, and that's uh, that you're invincible that day. And he does he brings that. A big reason I believed in this team this year, other than having Degrom and Scherzer, and other than all the moves Steve Cohen went out and made was the addition of Buck Showalter to the team this year. And I've had uh, I've had Adam Jones on the show earlier this year, Baltimore Oriole great, who can't say enough nice things about the manager that Buck Showalter is and the person he is. How much has he meant to this Mets team this year? I think it's, I mean, we the Mets picked up five players in the offseason that have had a great impact on this team. Uh, Bassett, Canna, Marte, Escobar, and I'm uh, forgetting forgetting another one, but they've all had a great impact. But the best move that Steve Cohn made was hiring Buck Showalter. And I was in the off season. There was four or five candidates, and I was praying that Buck would get the call, and he did. He's a baseball guy. Uh, he's had to turn a culture around, and he's turned this culture around with the help of those five players that were brought here. Uh, they're all professionals. I think uh, they really, uh, Buck from the first day of spring training got their attention. He's a teacher as well. Uh, uh, he's, he's been a three-time manager of the year. And right now he's the front runner for manager of the year. I mean, my gosh. Um, but I, for myself, we have meetings with Buck uh, every first game of a series mm -hmm. in his office uh, that would be the tv three of us on tv and the two radio guys and i'm i go to every one because i learned something new about managing and uh how difficult it is and how unprepared i'd be to be if i wanted to manage uh he is a just phenomenal he's got the players attention it's a great group they hustle they love him, and uh, he is a terrific manager on the field. It's very difficult. When I came over in the 80s, the Mets were the, the, the like the little kid you, you kicked around to the Yankees. It's hard to change that, and we did it in the 80s, and this team is uh, kind of – I'm, I'm, the Yankees are a very good team, but they're sharing the spotlight. It's hard to do that. And for and a buck has a lot to do with it. I mean, there's a culture change there now. And uh, that's why one of the other, probably the big reason why I like watching this team. That's awesome. So, well, Keith, I know you from your incredible playing days. There's another generation that knows you from being in the booth for Mets games. But there's an entirely different demographic that knows you from your Seinfeld appearances. And I want to ask you about that. Your Seinfeld days, how much did that help 
propel you and vault you into just an entirely different spotlight than baseball did? Well, baseball, basically, we just appeal to the sports fans of the world. There are a lot of people that aren't, a, aren't sport fans or baseball fans. Uh, Seinfeld was a phenomenon and uh, appealed to the uh, whole nation, if not the entire world. <laughs> and uh, I was very fortunate to get on that show. Uh, it was uh, my first acting experience. I was two to two years retired when I got the call to that they wanted me. Jerry was a Met fan. He grew up in Brooklyn. I was his favorite player. So he kind of conceived the episode. And Larry David is a Yankee fan and a big baseball fan. So they collaborated together and created this, uh, the episode and, and all its subplots. And little did we know that it would become such a great, a memorable uh, uh, episode of that show. So uh, I was very lucky. I had a lot of lines. Um, I memorized my lines. <laughs> I realized, I mean, I, it was a whole week in Los Angeles. So there was rehearsal starting on Monday, uh, tinkering around with the scenes. All the principal actors added their input, how to improve certain the scenes, make it funnier. Uh, there was three other writers involved. Just watching the whole process evolve as the week uh, went forward. You know, the cameraman, the lighting, uh, all the blocking, everything was... It's all brand new to me and very interesting, but I was really petrified because I had, I had a lot of lines. I was a guest yeah. star. I had never acted and never taken an acting <laughs> lesson, never wanted to be an actor. And uh, so I made sure I realized after the second day, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, when we went on the set to rehearse that I'm going to be here to Saturday and then Sunday's a day off. I fly back to New York and they got to go on Monday for another episode. Just do the whole thing with another episode. And I better not screw up. <laughs> and uh, fortunately I didn't. And I think I passed. Okay. I mean, I have a hard time watching it, but Jerry, I see Jerry and I see Larry David occasionally. And they say that I did just fine. And they were so pleased. Well, of all the, of all the famous scenes you're a part of, there's a few of them. What one is your favorite scene? My favorite scene is the one I'm not in. Uh, when uh, my favorite scene is in Jerry's apartment, and uh, uh, the oh gosh, I can't even. Remember. Wayne comes in, Newman, and uh, has the big uh, scene where he gets all emotional and riled up, and he walks out Jerry's front door all upset. I was hiding behind <laughs> that front door. Uh, on the other side, obviously, I'm not coming out in the, and uh, it's just a prop. And uh, I was hiding behind. And when he came out through the door, he was so into that scene being all that he was like frothing at the mouth. And, and he looked at me and I think I startled him. <laughs> but I, I got a big kick out of that because that's his, that's his professionalism that he was totally into that scene. And um uh, it's just one of the great things I had. It was a great week and a great experience in my life. That's great. Last one before I let you go. You mentioned you run into the guys every once in a while, Jerry and Larry David. Here in this building that my set is in, you ran into Larry David at yes. the Fox Studios. Yep. How cool How cool was it running into Larry David here? Well, it was great to see him. I hadn't seen him in years. And, you know, that's when he pretty much told me, he said that the show was written uh, they they knew they had a good. It was they wound up using it on sweeps, which was an hour episode. 
So they show it now in two episodes, I mean, two uh, segments, but they really showed it on sweeps. And Larry said that we knew we had something very funny. The show really didn't take off the first year, couple of years. And they really felt they had a great script. And then it was all whether how, how I did, if I was a stiff or if I was passable. <laughs> so they had the extra subplot if I passed the grade was uh, George going for unemployment and dating the unemployment officer's uh, daughter. So that was the added scene to make it uh, an hour episode. If I had been a stiff, that never would have happened. (laughs) That that subplot never would have come in and it would have been a half hour show. So Larry said they really felt that the show took off after that episode. So, uh, you know, it's very memorable. I was very lucky. And it was a great time. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I grew up in artichoke fields in Northern California <laughs> as a kid. I never dreamed I'd be, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a top uh, sitcom. I mean, I was, so many good things have happened in my life. That's awesome. Well, Keith, thank you for joining me. Um, you're a Hall of Fame baseball player in my eyes, a Hall of Fame actor as well, and forever okay. now a friend of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Good luck to the Mets along the way. I will be listening to you, my friend. I love your work in the booth. So thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for joining Great. me. Great. Thanks. All right, buddy. Be well. See ya. Thanks. All right. I just wanted to thank Keith for joining me. That was a lot of fun and it really got fun hearing him talk about Seinfeld. What a blast that must have been. But the guy was an absolute legend on the baseball field. Really cool hearing about his career and this Mets team. He thinks extremely highly of him. It was really cool to hear him say, hey, they're way better than that 2015 team. They're they're as good as that 2006 team, which was awesome. So I had a blast talking to Keith. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. This has been another episode of Flipping Bats. Make sure you like or subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of that good stuff. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Flippin' Bats Pod. A lot of good stuff going on there. And you can also watch every single episode on YouTube, Flippin' Bats Pod as well. Thank you all for listening. This one has been a blast, and I will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.